Welcome to Read the Room, the one podcast championing the hope of the gospel in Australia without using the words unprecedented or pivot or new normal. My name is Mike Wardrow. This is Katie Isles, and today we are talking about pornography, moral failure, and do redemption stories really exist in ministry? Hawksy, how are you going today? I am outstanding. Thank you for asking, Michael. Amazing. Amazing. We got to sit down with Michael Glamucci. It was phenomenal. It was one of the most moving, vulnerable, and exposing stories I have ever had the privilege. Like, I know a lot of people are angry at Mike Gook, and I'll get that, and we'll get to that, but sitting down with this man who has fallen from one of the loftiest places in Australian ministry, internationally even, and hearing him just pouring out his heart and seeing the story that God has written through that is both chastening because they're but for the grace of God and also so, I don't know, just humbling in that you can see what God can do. The guy is incredible. And my favourite line from the whole uh, podcast can be attributed to our intrepid producer, James Norrie, who said, say whatever you want, healer still slaps. It's a terrific song. It's a He's right. He's, the man's not wrong. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong either. That was it was an incredible time, um, and we'll put the whole thing up. It'll be up on YouTube as well as on your podcast providers here, and um, really recommend you have a, have a crack at the whole thing. But he's just the man's just like a glass bottom boat. Like you can see right through right now because he's got nothing left to lose. He's lost it all. And you know, we did this interview in the in the whole context of the recent sort of Carl Lentz um, allegations and revelations and shenanigans galore um shenanigans that's a charitable way of putting it it's a very charitable way of putting it um but like you and i were both dealing in young adult ministry spaces with young adults who are looking at somebody who's one of the ministry heroes going well how does this happen we had kids in literally in tears kind of it sounds a bit pathetic in a way but i get it like i i said to actually i said to mike Gook, i said i was rattled by how rattled i was when the carl lentz thing came out and uh, you know because it's like another one bites the dust it's like i i need you know and i don't want it to be a cult of personality but when someone's been formational and they for these young guys coming through they see this charismatic compelling faith-filled spirit-led fashionable basketball playing freaking justin bieber whatever and it's just it's something to aspire to and it all really amounted to nothing yeah yeah it's almost that whole man who has it all gag and and that gag is always like that doesn't work but i think that it devolved into it's a story of the emperor has no clothes yeah on yeah. Emperor's New Groove. Emperor has new clothes. Do you know I've never seen the Emperor's New Groove? It's actually funny. My yeah, kids so watched it the other day. Yeah. I've, I've been told off multiple times for saying that, but there you go. It's the truth. No, yeah. it's worth a watch. Uh, so, Great. anyway, if that's yeah, all I you mean, take away from today, team, <laughs> then you're That's, wel- that's you're really welcome. important. I mean, <laughs> and for me, in a lot of ways, that's what it was like when the Mike Good revelations happened. So, it was amazing to sit down with him. And we, and we touched on that briefly. I mean, I was a bit older. I, I, I don't know. I would have been 26, 27. I'm not that much younger than Mike. But... Um, I, I just remember just just being absolutely rocked. Um, I mean, I donated money at, at various times, not huge amounts, and it wasn't really how much, Mike. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, no, I, it, it actually wasn't very much, and it wasn't about the money. It was more about that sense of investment, yeah. and then going, "Are you kidding me?" And yeah. 
and, and I think you hit the nail on the head where you said one of the loftiest platforms to fall down and that gap between the two, it is the fall that gets you. And here's Mike. And one of the most incredible things you're going to hear about this story is is his walk back into where he is now in ministry, which is a very, very different place. And we talk about that too. But and it takes so much flipping courage and vulnerability and transparency and grace from everyone around him. Yeah. I think there was not a moment during the conversation where I felt he was making excuses or trying to minimise or diminish like he's a man who's done the work. And I think like – and he's had to – like I'm a bit of a people pleaser. I don't know about you. but And so the fact that he's had to forge his way back knowing that there are relationships that his actions have destroyed and they are now irreparable outside of a sovereign work of God – and he just has to live with that and put his head up high and say, you know, I'm a son of the Most High God and I can't help that as my identity and my inheritance. But to do that in a way that is is so humble and chastened, like, uh, it, yeah. it was, and his wife, I mean, I just think she's a real MVP here, man. Absolutely. Like, I would literally... And so it, does Mike, you know. Yeah. I mean, if I could have thrown a six foot, he's a six foot a lot out of a window as his wife, that would have been what I would have done. But Amanda's teeny tiny and full of... I don't think anyone's throwing Mike Kuglamucci out of any windows. He's he's not a small human being. Well, that's offensive and a microaggression. And my You're offensive and a microaggression. Oh, your face is. <laughs> but here we are. Anyway, it was an extraordinary conversation. And I think, you know, it's something that we all... I think if you're in ministry or a ministry practitioner... Hearing the story of somebody who has had to walk the most painful journey, not just through addiction, but through the loss of all relationships, through the loss of reputation, what that his choice has meant for his family, who are a stalwart ministry family in our nation, and on and on and on it goes, which is why he said to us that when the news of Carl Lentz broke, he messaged him straight away because he goes, because there's two people who've had a massive moral fall on a Hillsong platform and he goes, and I'm the other one. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an extraordinary interview and it's probably not much point us uh, prepping it any further. But I would just say, Mike, you're a senior pastor, which yes. means that people are going to care about your moral fall much more than they'll care about mine. When they both inevitably happen. You <laughs> well, <laughs> you apparently kind of so. You phrase that as if they were about to happen, but well, go on. Look, I don't ever, look, Ravi Zacharias... Bill Hybels. Yeah. Mike Wardrop. It's been, uh, wow. That was brutal. Edit that I am out. not that old. No, but I'm just saying like you need to hear, like I think, look, I'm a pastor. Mike's a pastor. Yeah. You're probably pastors if you're listening to this. And the reality is, is that we are just a few incremental decision-making oh. steps away from a story like the one you're about to hear. Yeah. And you would go, oh, no, never me, never me, never me. It was never Mike. It was never Bill Hybels. It yeah, was probably yeah. never Carl Lentz. And yet here yeah. we are having yeah. this conversation. So unless we get around it and are willing to lay our pride at the foot of the cross, like we were going to run into trouble. And so I think that's why I think I felt so, I don't know. Yeah, I think when you hear someone else's story and you hear, you can, bits of it resonate in your psyche and you're like, oh my gosh, I am the virus. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a listen. We have the great privilege today to be sitting down with the one and the only Michael Juliamucci. And he hails now from the port of Adelaide. Come on. And you are a port supporter, aren't you? Now. 
now. Yeah, oh, transfer. Can the pair from the, from the crows? That's a story from the crows. <laughs> okay. Yeah, from the first bounce, I was a crows fan. Yeah, and about three, four months. No, he won ago. that Hawks game. Are you serious? Hawks, one hundred forty-four. It was amazing. Yeah. No. Anyway, big, big time crows fan, and then I was driving along Port Road, and became a Port supporter, and I cried, and my wife said. What are you crying for? And I said, I think I just became a port supporter. Oh and she gosh. said, No, you did not. And I said, I think I did. And that was one of the major shifts in our heart that confirmed wow. that we're moving so to the port. So it was like a road to Alberton moment, yeah. but you were blinded by, I assume, someone glassing you. And exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was two people, I think. But yes, uh, it was crazy. So, yes, I'm a proud, paid up member. Of the port Are you serious? You bought a membership? Oh wow. no, I'm, I've bought it every That's ticket. I'm, I'm talking about trying to become the chaplain, but I'm I'm, I'm poor all the way. Like, Come on, like my brother, God rest his soul, um, would be laughing his head off because he's been a port fan his he whole is, life. I can hear it. Right? Can you hear? Shit. I can hear it. <laughs> he would be. Yeah, freaking out because we used to fight all the time about Adelaide Crows and Port Power, and I hated Port Power and. But Why so did God you hate them? Miracles. Oh, because my brother loved them. So. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things. So spite is a beautiful thing. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. Now I'm I'm fully in love with the Port Adelaide football club. Well, love wow, it. that's yep. incredible. West and is best. It's all good. Sure, that's it. Well, they're a lot better than the Adelaide Crows. So well, they were go. this year, which yeah, is incredible. That's sure. Made the transition easier. That's yeah. Sure. <laughs> Fair weather supporters, are you going to wear your UGG boots and walk out if they're losing? Uh, yeah. Yes. Good. Yep. I would expect nothing less. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, Mike, you and your beautiful family have recently moved to Port Adelaide with the view of taking over the world. Mm-hmm. If yep. you hold the ports in any wartime situation, yep, right. you're on to a good thing. <laughs> yep. yeah. No, we have really felt stirred by God. Um, it actually started as a real estate venture. We uh, were looking at a warehouse conversion in Port Adelaide. Uh, to move into we were part of a, a church here in Adelaide called Edge Church on the senior team and uh, we're not looking to uh, leave Edge Church or start anything different we just were looking for a house and um, we yeah we found more than a house we ended up not buying a house and quitting our jobs and selling our house and renting a little apartment and hang out on the streets in Port Adelaide now. So God did a real miracle in our hearts and I think sometimes God does that and he burdens you in a way where doing anything, as ridiculous as it sounds, doing anything else feels and sounds more ridiculous because we just knew this is what we have to do. So got three kids, beautiful daughters and uh, we're all, and my wife Amanda and we're now um, living in the port and establishing a community centre at the moment uh, called Lighthouse City Mission and uh, which is based, our, our our passion is to provide uh, free food, clothing, and what we call a community of support to people who need it in the port area. So, yeah, it's exciting, really exciting. What's the demographic breakdown of the port area these days? It's it's developing uh, slowly, I think. Because uh, I feel like it's half super, super trendy, like low and slow, cool Yeah, kids. it's, it's kind of split by commercial roads. So you've kind of got the right-hand side, which is the old town port um, and the new development. And then on the left-hand side, you've got a lot of um, the remnant of government housing that's sort of Mm. been through that area. And I think you kind of have the clash of, of almost like a clash of cultures down there. And and I think as we've seen in other, even other port places around the country, for some reason, there are are a lot of government houses in those areas. And then all of a sudden people realise, hold on, this is a really nice place to live. 
let's put new development in and in some ways can tend to squeeze some of some of the the, the people that have been living there out um, we really believe that God's given us a mission to um, to shine the light of Jesus in this situation and and bring people together and and bring harmony in all of that so yeah I, I just love by the way that it's called mission mm. I, there's something just for me like about childhood outreach like yeah. the simplicity of the gospel yeah. campfires like it's just very evocative totally you know yeah. and, and this is somebody who leads a church of random action verb church you know like yeah. encounter church <laughs> you know yeah. choose a name and chuck it in but yeah. I, I i really love that like yeah, why, why are you calling i mean i get that it is mission but what do you call it mission? I, to be to be really honest because that's what we're here to do today yeah um i had a number of dreams uh, through this process of decision making to uproot and move, and a lot of those things were just present in the dreams, and and I think, I think it kind of, uh, I'm glad it was that way because I, I would wake up and write things down. As a songwriter, that's often how I would songwrite, where I would wake up in the night with a melody, with a, sometimes even walk to the piano, write a song, record it, and go back to sleep, and then forget about it, and then a day later remember it and listen to it. It's kind of like that um, th- that uh, conduit of communication between me and heaven, and it's kind of been the same way with a lot of this journey, where I'd have dreams and see signs and see myself uh, helping someone with a t-shirt on, like even our branding. I don't even like it, <laughs> but it's what was in the dream, and so we've kind of stuck with that because right. I feel God's direction in it. So yeah. with the mission, to be honest, and we'll probably talk about it more as we go along, but. I really feel like even in my heart over the last six months, there's been a transition from um, feeling the, the the call to plant a church as a shifting to a call to being the church as a family. Mm-hmm. And I know that that could send us off into on a massive tangent, but we, I think I come from a side of the road, if you, a slick side of the, of the road of ministry and, if, if you were to say to me, okay, you're going to uproot your family and move to Port Adelaide and plant a church, I think I would have a fair idea on what to do and what it would look like. Um, but I'm finding God revealing to us, I feel like I live in opposite town because everything I would naturally do, I feel like I'm doing the opposite of. Mm. But I'm learning to just surrender to that and, um, yeah, and just listen to God. And I think the whole Lighthouse City mission we're actually seeing it transition away from even... Oh, we do believe that God's calling us to establish a community of faith in Port Adelaide, but I'm kind of thinking that's probably going to happen in our house and and then probably plant another one in someone else's house and like a, a network of smaller communities that we might gather together every couple of months and worship the Lord together. Um, but we're seeing this sense of uh, shining the light of Jesus in a practical way. God spoke to me... I believe God spoke to me and said, salvation's coming to the city and it's my loving kindness that's going to lead people to repentance. And what I want you to do, your mission is to shine the light of loving kindness to everyone in this community and then watch what I'm going to do next. So that's kind of Great. where we're at. So the mission at the moment is where we're, tomorrow we actually find out about a premises um, where people will be able to come do their washing, have a shower, 
get groceries for the week, have Mike, a meal. you can have a shower finally. Are you talking to him or <laughs> Don't me? Donate me. Does it matter? You both, both smell we funky. We can both because there's going to be multiple showers. So, you so know, it'd be great. So that's kind of what, what Lighthouse City Mission is. And even though it's the act of the church, as in our family being the church, it's kind of a shift away from, you know, two fast ones. Announcements a slow one. Communion. I'm not. Please no, don't no. think I'm. No, we're with you. You know, it's just for me. I'm as shocked as anybody because I'm going. Yeah. I feel like I had tools of what I would use to build, and I feel like the Lord's just saying, "Put them all down." I got a different way. So. Full on. So just on that, you've been part of Edge Church since forever. Yep. Which was previously Southside. Yes. Um, yep. and your daddy was the founding pastor. Yeah. Yep. Um, the great Danny Gook. Yeah. And. He, so it's fair to say that for the last however many jillions of years, mm. that's been your home, that's been your tribe, that's been your place, that's been your position, like yep. you're the son of the pastor. And we're yep. all, actually you're not, I'm a pastor's kid. My wife is. And it is different. Like when you're the pastor's kid, it's just different. It there's is. a different weight, there's a different expectation, there's a different kind of set of eyes on you all the time. Mm. Um, so to walk away from that yeah especially after you know the season you've had it's particularly over the last five years or so like that's huge yeah how how do you get to a point where did you were you feeling uneasy were you feeling angsty no i I think because the journey i left edge the first time (laughs) when i was 20 and i moved to perth and was a youth pastor in perth and then we we planted planet shakers church so i was part of the the planting team at Planet Shakers Church. I spent time at Planet Shakers, time at Hillsong, and actually came back to Edge Church um, almost by default hmm. because my my life hit the wall through, and we, you know we can talk about that, but through some really um, full on circumstances in my life and the way that I dealt with a lot of internal struggle and pain, um, kind of just lit a bomb and blew up. And and to be really honest, a lot of people. Um, chose to distance themselves from me, but Edge Church said, oh, no, no, he's all right, he's with us. And at that time, I actually hadn't been, like I'd left the church nine years earlier, but they really stood up and said, no, 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 he's with us and we love him and he's going to be okay. And so I uh, have been back at Edge for 12 years and on the senior team for, on staff for the last seven and a half and on the senior team for the last five Um and have been involved. It's a, a lovely church, beautiful church, beautiful people. I, I would talk about Edge Church and say th- that was the community that loved me back to health. That was so the good. community that opened their their arms wide. I still remember the day sitting, and if I get emotional, I'm, you know, it just is what it is. Um, I remember sitting in my car. Um, marriage was over as far as we knew. Um, life was over as far as I knew, to be honest. Um, and sitting in a car in the car park of the west campus of Edge Church and and a an usher ran to my car and I was sitting in the car not knowing um, how to do this, how to, um, you know, you go through things and because of the position that you're in, things blew up in a really public way. And so it's, I've learned, learned, that it has been a blessing, but at the time, you can imagine 12 years ago, felt like a curse because every every person you're looking at, every person you see knows your deepest, darkest, or thinks they know. It was a lot deeper yeah. and darker than they thought, <laughs> let me tell you. But they, they knew enough to go, wow, 
Um, mm. But to have people run towards you, not run away, and embrace you and say, we've been waiting for you, was just such a, an incredible thing for me. Um, so that community, the Edge Church community, has been one that I don't think cho- I chose. They, they kind of chose me. And, and I've seen it almost like a, a cocoon of restoration and preparation, I think, um, for us to be able to be in a position where we can take these leaps of faith that we're taking at the moment. Um, yeah. Um, the, the tra- I don't think transition's easy anytime. And I think what's challenging is when you're part of the senior team, eldership of a church, um, and one day you walk in and say, um, I feel like God's telling me to go down the road and do something completely different. It's challenging. And when, when they're your best friends, it's challenging. We're working really hard as friends to try and not go uh, get too uh, uh, destroyed by the humanity of and the flesh that happens through, or that can happen through these kind of things and choosing to believe that if this is what God wants, then it's going to be good for all of us. And we that's not easy, but it's something that as a team, as myself and the guys at Edge, we're just committing to one another that we will. Not saying it's easy. Not saying there's times where you know you feel misunderstood. Um, you you feel responsible for pain. Um, those things aren't easy. Um, but we, as a as a group of friends, are doing the best that we can to honour God and love one another and and trust Him that faith is a journey that's explored forward, but explained backwards. And we just we just have to. We just have to move forward. We know it's God. We believe it's God. Um, it makes no sense. Um, so to answer your question, is it angsty? Is it reactionary? I think there's things I see differently. I think there's things that for a season I, I didn't realise I saw as differently as I did because I'm in a cocoon of restoration. I'm in a cocoon where I'm focused on on being made whole. I'm in a, I'm in a cocoon where I understand some of those ways of ministry because it's all I've ever known and so I feel like I can be a great blessing. And I've been able to be used by God in that in that arena and in that area and even in that mode of ministry, style of ministry. Um, but I can't deny that God, uh, through his calling, so I, I feel like the call was divine and then post the calling, you begin to see things. It wasn't a, I'm seeing all this stuff Gee, I hope God calls me out of here. Yeah. It was a calling that came to us when we were looking at a million-dollar property and then lowered our eyes for five minutes and just saw an immense amount of brokenness mm-hmm. and an immense amount of need. And I can joke about becoming a port supporter on Port Road as I'm driving around. It was a divine thing as we're stopping. It would have the, to be, it, I no, imagine. It, it's divine where God met us there in that place and all of a sudden what seems so abnormal to us just has become the air that we breathe and and so yes there's a lot of things i see differently yes i don't think what god has called us to establish will look anything like anything i've ever been a part of not edge church or acc in particular i've been involved in a lot of churches churches in western australia planet shakers hillsong church Churches that I love and respect, 
but I know what God is calling us to do and the expression of his kingdom that he's calling us to shine is very, very, very different. And that's not something that is reactionary as much as it is a revelation, I think, in our heart. So It's beautiful. Yeah. Can we talk about the sort of cocoon of restoration yeah. as you've talk, talked about it? I suppose we're so interested, you know, when we see sort of Carl Lentz hitting the headlines mm. for some pretty devastating reasons. Yeah. I was really rattled by how rattled I was by that. Mm. And I don't know why I'm surprised by this anymore, but I still am. Yeah. Um, how do you see that when you hear yeah. about that and you read about that? What, what <clears> happens inside you? I messaged him straight away. Um, the similarities are there's not too many people in the world who've been a part of Hillsong Church at the time of a front-page newspaper uh, moral failure. Um, and so I, f I felt personally, um, if I can't put my hand up and reach out, because um, I know what it feels like on the other side of it, we're all broken. Um, so I reached out, and I think he's got about 65 billion followers. So you know, you didn't you didn't hear about. I've got a relationship with Carl, so I'm I'm praying that there'll be an opportunity to be able to talk to him in the future. But um, for me, I think it's probably different to other people. But for me, um, I cried for a day because because of the memories. I remember the conversations I had to have. I remember the way people responded to those conversations. And so for me, it, it was personally um, painful, but, but thinking about him probably more than anything else, knowing that. And that's not to condone the, the no, broken yeah, decisions. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we're all broken. I think, I think it's, for me, it just it, it brought back... I guess painful memories, but then also an incredible flood of thanksgiving that I have um, for the goodness and the grace of God in my life. Yeah. And I, my prayer is that that on whatever road Carl is walking, that he would encounter that the goodness and the grace of God yeah. that none of us deserve. Yeah. You know, so because um, I, I think like for whatever it's worth, you know, like I, I actually thought Brian and Bobby's statement was really gracious in the mm. sense that they didn't discount the good and yeah. the contribution and the thousands of people who know Jesus because of Carl and his family Absolutely. and their ministry yeah. and yeah. and what he's fought for and all that sort of thing and 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 it's the same with you yeah. like you can't deny like I mean say what you want mate healer still slaps it's, slap. <laughs> it's my favorite it's still um, my favorite it's incredible <laughs> like <laughs> she appropriated I, that from James it's it, it's he's right freaking he's right best song ever yeah, I love it I, I love never it. stop singing it yeah, I, I, ne I never stop listening Come on. I love it. Yeah. Um, probably you wrote it for yourself. I did. Yeah. Before you needed it. Yeah. And well, probably, you know what I mean. But yeah. suffice to say, it's the same with you. Like, And I think that, that you know, when you're in, in leadership and in ministry mm. and as a pastor and as a leader, it's always so sobering because it's just like that darkness is in me mm. and I yeah. feel it and I see it. Absolutely. And like my family, we're not just pastors. We're also a bunch of depressive alcoholics, mm. you know. Yeah. And so that's my lineage, praise yeah. be. Yeah. And so and I, and I can feel all of that. And I just think I, I can go through the motions. I know what to say. I know yeah. what to wear. I know who to engage with. I know how to do this. 100%. And then you just have these incremental decisions that you make that end up pulling you to a place where you don't recognize 
recognize your life and yet God's in the midst of that yeah, and he's using you and he's using your brokenness. I mean, you think Pat Mercedes, like the good yeah. evangelism and the people who got saved despite all of the stuff that yeah. was going on yeah. and what God's done with him and through yeah, him. Absolutely. And it's just this, it spins me out. Yeah, God's, I think it's, that's the crazy thing. I, as I'm kind of, We've been involved in Edge for the last 12 years, and it's a large church, and it's around the plot. So you feel really connected because there's lots of campuses everywhere, and you're traveling and ministering, and but then you realize when you step out of outside of that, uh, I don't say bubble in a negative way, but you kind of live within that sphere, mm. um, you kind of poke your head up for the first time in 12 years. People are still, th- people don't know what we've been doing or don't understand the restoration of God or the journey that you've been on, and uh. I'm overwhelmed by the graciousness of people and the, the the messages of from youth pastors and pastors who continually say, I was at a conference and you preached this message. I still have the notes. Um, you preached that message on on the ta- being a target for the presence of God. I've still got that shirt you gave me with the spray painted. T- just constant messages of people. And I, I'm in awe not of those messages I preached or of the impact that I'm in awe of the fact that God could use, he uses donkeys to speak truth because mm. I, know what I, I know what I was battling at that time. I know that for me, that epic, epic all-time level of ministry was my attempt to uh, balance the ledger of epic all-time <laughs> failure. I mean, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Catholic of all Catholics. I'm, I'm, I was all about paying penance for, you know, I was doing it in advance. I was like, man, if I can, if I can get a couple of good messages up oh, under the man. belt, then I can, you know, I, I don't have to fight this darkness inside of me. I can just embrace it because it's that we're square now. So I'd write songs in a way of balancing ledger when, you know, all of it boiling down to a, a wrong theology and you know, understanding of, of God's love and grace, you know, and so, yeah, it's it's pretty yeah, incredible. I mean, in this, Mike, one of the things I, I think about, we, we talk about often, is that these sort of moral failures are happening everywhere yeah. all the time, yeah. but not everyone has that same platform yeah. which creates that, that target, creates that microscope. Yeah. How much, how much do you think, I mean, given that they're both happening on and off the platform, yeah. how much do you think the platform amplifies not just the response, but the capacity to have that kind of failure i th- i think um i would i would articulate it like this i dug i dug my own grave um but certain realities and environments i think loosen the soil and make it easier yeah. for you so I, what, I, can you dig into that yeah, yeah. I, yeah i would never i would never sit here and say it was it was that system totally. or that totally. place or that person i take 100% full responsibility for a lifetime of brokenness that manifests itself out in the most whacked out way ever. Um, but I think sometimes ministry and it provides, I guess, an, an it, well, it did for me, provided an avenue for me to be able to, you know, sometimes I would say, I wish I wasn't good at things. <laughs> like, because as a young person, and I, I mean this, I'm going to say I mean this as humbly as possible. And You're good at stuff. It's fine. Just yeah. good at we stuff. We get it. Yeah. So I'd start a prayer group at my school and there'd just be like 200 people at it and people getting saved and stuff. And I'm off, you know, doing ridiculous things in, in the bathrooms and the toilets at lunchtime and then going, but it's okay. 
It's okay. I'm thinking about these things. I'm looking at these things that I shouldn't look at, but it's okay because I just had 200 people at my prayer group. So balance. And so that was kind of like a way of, it was like a cycle for me did but you it, was that like what was driving that do you think like i'm um, presumably you've done therapy and you've had a lot of self time to self-explore and yep. what drove that do you think because i think that um this sounds terrible but for a while there i had encountered so many pastors so many young men in the church who were addicted to pornography yeah. and to the point where i just literally assumed for a while that um that you were addicted to porn unless you told me otherwise. You yeah. know, I just assumed it. Yeah. How, how, and you're not able to say to mum and dad, hey, I'm really struggling with this because of the shame or I'm Danny yeah. Duke's son no, or absolutely. what's driving that? No, let's, let's dig in there. For me, um, I grew up in a very holy home, really holy home, the days before wireless remote controls. And so we had the a really fancy TV with a corded remote, <laughs> you know, don't trip Ooh. over it. Um, in our home, in our upbringing, if Baywatch came on or a, a woman in a bikini came, I mean, it was it was a race for the whole home to dive towards the TV to turn it over. And, you know, and this is really open and you guys can choose to keep this in or keep this out. It's up to you. I'm totally fine with it. I encountered some, um, an awakening to pornography um, at a very young age through, um, at, at the age of five, through... Um, some abuse that involved pornography. And so I um, always had a bit of guilt with this, but there was a curiosity to me that was awoken way earlier than it, it should be. Mm. And so in, in that quiet space, there was elements of that that were happening in, in my life, yet I was living in a home where yeah. those things were seen as the worst possible, like if it's a woman in a bikini, then quick, we're going to turn that over because that's not of God. Yet I'm engaging in, not by choice, but in things in other environments. And there was this understanding from a very young age that this is not good because uh, I know it's not good because everyone in our house is saying it's not good. However, uh, there was an awakening in me that, that spurred on past the abuse, a hunger and a desire for that stuff. And so that was ongoing at a really, really young age. Heck. And so I, I've lived with this balance of f from an eight, you know, so six, seven, eight, nine years of age going, I shouldn't like this stuff, but there's something that is really enticing about it. Yeah. Um, but I know it's wrong. So who do I talk, who do I speak to about that? Um, and so that, I think those things kind of fostered in me an ability to engage in things for my own satisfaction or pleasure, but have an ability to cover those things from anybody else at an age that you just, I look back on it and it's just pretty full on. And so life's divided really early. Divided the whole time. And it, it's, so what happened to just be, let's just get it all on the, on the table. What happened is from a very young age, um, I, for my life, I never faked sickness, ever faked sickness. I was always sick. When I did, I did terms of school in hospital for undiagnosed, where I would have no control over my bladder, I, my hair would fall out, my nose bled in year four for a term, they cauterized my nose half a dozen times. Yeah. Um, 
because the division in my life manifest itself in physical sickness. It would just, so I'm trying to fight this inner division and this is how, this is what would happen. It would, so you go to, you go to the doctor with your parents, they can't never find anything wrong with you, but you can't dispute the fact that the kid's unconscious on the ground or, so it, when you know what it's for, I know why it's happening because I'm struggling to, to have both of these areas of my life uh, balance one another. You try really hard. The older you get means you can go into the doctors and you don't have to take your parents in anymore. And it's just heaps easier to walk out of the doctors and say, oh, I've got glandular fever. That would give me respite. I could have six weeks in the dark. Six weeks would go by and I would feel so low because I've done nothing for the kingdom that I'd come out all guns blazing, preach the best message you've ever heard. I've been healed. God's healed me. I'm going to be... And I'd, that story is like through... So when I say 12 years ago, everyone goes, oh, my gosh, this is so bad. And I'm going, just let's sit down and have a coffee. And I'll tell you, it's a hell of a lot deeper and darker than you think. This has been a lifetime thing for me. It, has, it wasn't like in 2006, I woke up one day and said, I'm going to tell everyone I've got cancer and that's going to go well. <laughs> um, I, I legitimately was physically falling apart at that time due to some pressures and I fell apart pretty severely and so I, I uttered that statement and wow, what a, um, you know, what pain that caused so many people and, you know, my family, my friends and the wider body and... Um, this conversation has got nothing to do with justification or anything like that. I, I was well within my means to choose help or to choose speaking to people. I've still got diaries where I've marked down D-Day, which was the day that you go to speak to your pastor about your porn addiction and you get there and you sit down and get uh, praised for all the things you're doing for the first 20 minutes of the conversation. And, and what was it you wanted to catch up about? And you go, oh, nothing, I just... Just wanted to touch base because you feel like if the reality of who I am is realised, then everything I have is gone. And so that was, there were so many times, that's, that was kind of like the good options out and there was the suicidal sort of stuff and you, you're trying to be free and I'm just so grateful that truth, the person does set you free, you know, and, and I'm glad that in 2008 um, we said, well, let, let's just give this telling the truth thing a go. And I've got to stop and say my wife um, is God's, the greatest gift of God to me, um, both through this journey and post. But she'd just sit there and pray, just sit there and pray for me. And I'm, I'm so blessed though because I know it's those prayers that saw us through it. Um, and I remember texting a friend and saying, he's my best friend, and I said, I have to tell Amanda some things and I'm not going to want to do it. So in 48 hours, if you haven't heard from me, 
you need to ring Amanda and tell her that I've got some things that I need to talk to her about. It was just a text message. And I pressed send and I threw my phone and I was like, I'm done, that's it, it's, it's, it's done. And then I picked up the phone and the phone, it hadn't sent, the, the bars had <laughs> dropped out. And in that split second, my mind was like, well, maybe God doesn't want, and I'm grateful for this little, this little sucker thumb here. Because while I'm kind of telling myself, maybe, maybe it, God didn't want me to talk, um, the bars reappeared and this little thumb here just went, bam, send, and it was done. And so I spoke to Amanda and, and um, I had a dream that the truth would set me free and it did. It just didn't look like I thought it, it didn't, didn't look like freedom straight away. How yeah. was it um, just working through shame? How do you do that? Because like, all of us who are in ministry and mm. leadership, we've all failed, we're all broken. Mm. But shame is just such a pervasive, insidious... Oh, yeah. Man, it's uh, as powerful as it is, uh, a revelation of God's love. Um, <laughs> I had a revelation of God's love that has that just changed my life forever i know that might sound a bit um you know momenty or penty or altar call you could probably preach about that mike right. best sermon you ever preached right. come on i was in a mental institution on suicide watch locked up this and is i had, after you'd this spoken is to after him. this yeah. is i got locked up Mar marriage was done uh, as far as i knew um i was in a I was deemed danger to self, danger to society because I thought freedom was what I was stepping into and I didn't step into freedom at all. I just stepped into this just <laughs> crap storm <laughs> of it, right? It was like, I've got the I've got channel two, channel seven, channel ten, all like on my lawn. I'm going, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you what? Like what? My wife's gone. Everything's gone. No one wants to talk to me. The, you know, I was instructed by people who were in leadership in my life and world at that time to... You need to change your number. You need to, like, I was just alone. I just had nothing. It was full on. And I'm in an institution. And, man, I am loose as a goose going off at God, like, top of my voice, just swearing my head off, where the are you? And I had a moment of encountering God's love where I felt the Spirit of God speak to me and say, I'm right here. Um. First, actually, he said, are you done? And I said, do I look effing done to you? <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, I'm done, all right, I'm done. Because I really wanted to walk away. I, and I did walk away from church and ministry and all of that. I was done. And I really wanted to walk away from the Lord. Like, I just was, it, this would make a whole lot more sense if you're just not real, forget about it all. I'll, you know, jump in front of a bus as soon as they let me out of here. Um, but he proved him, he, he showed up, he just showed up in my heart and I felt such a love and acceptance. In the question about shame, I, uh, you know, my mum walked in the next day to give me some food. She, could, she only allowed to stay for short periods of time and she looked at me and she said, what's happened? She said, what's happened to you? I said, what do you mean? She said, your eyes. She said, what's happened? And then I, I sat down with her and I talked to her. I said, Mama, I want to live. Like, I want to live. I said, whatever happens with Amanda, whatever happens with anything, I, 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 and it was a, an incredible revelation of the love of God, just the love of God. And 
perfect love casts out fear and I think shame is attached to fear yeah. and and I and I feel like God did a miracle mm. in my heart and I might sound full on for some of you but I was staring down the face of you know a whole lot of shame and not 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 personal pain I was now confronted with the pain that my decisions had caused other people mm. everywhere um and so there was a, re- you know, I was locked up because I needed to be. Like I was deemed danger to self, danger to society because I was. Um, I, was a loose, I was a loose unit at that time. And yet the love of God met me in that place. And I don't, I, it's not a theological statement. I don't think I can sit down with textbooks and explain it to you. All I know is I didn't want to live... All I know is I hated myself and I hated everything that I'd done and I'd hated the pain I'd caused people and I was absolutely convinced 100% that not only my family but the world would just be a better place if it wasn't here. And the love of God convinced me otherwise. And and the Spirit of God convinced I mean, The Spirit of God leads us into truth and in that day he led me into truth and 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 showed me the love of Jesus and yeah from that day I, I think I, my my relationship what happened in that moment for me was I guess it's like a Romans 12 revelation of um, I'd lived my life doing things so that God would love me so um, rather than in view of his mercy it was in order to obtain his mercy this would be the Mike's living translation the MLT um, in order to attain God's mercy, offer yourself as a living sacrifice, for this is truly the way to worship. And that was completely my life. I did things in order to attain. And in that moment, when I knew I was unlovable, and yet, yet he loved me. And I'm realising now, 12 years on, and we still have our struggles. We're broken as, as broke. We all are. But I no longer live my life trying to get from him what he's already given me. I no longer live my life in order to attain his mercy or live it in a way to attain his mercy, but I live my life in the shadow of his mercy and knowing that there's nothing I can do. It's nothing I could break that would cause him to stop loving me. And I think that, you know, 28 years in ministry, being provided opportunity to prove my love to God, um, you... um, there was always a sermon I could preach or a song I could write or a conference I could go to or, and somehow be of value. Um, I was well equipped to be able to stay in that theology of, well, I've got plenty I can do for you, so I'm just going to keep doing it. And hopefully in doing that, um, I'll be worthy of your love. And uh, when all that f- went to crap and yet all I was left with was his love, it's pretty confusing and confronting when I realise everything I was trying to get I had all along. <laughs> it's pretty 
pretty crazy. So I had nothing else, but I had his love and, and what forged and was formed out of that in my own life was a relationship. And thinking about Carl, talking about Carl, talking about any of us in ministry, I think, I, I think to the book of Exodus where Moses has a burning bush encounter with God and God, God rocks up and speaks to him. And what I love is that Moses walks off the mountain, but the conversation doesn't end. As he's walking back to Egypt, the Lord's saying, and this is what's going to happen. And then what will happen is he's going to say this, but don't worry about that. What you'll say is, and he's going to throw that thing down. What I want to ask you to do is, but I think for me, I lived a life of encounter at a burning bush where God would speak to me and I'd go, okay, cool. Now I'm going to go and do that for you. And I think there's a difference between living a life doing things for God as opposed to living a life doing things with God. And I think, yeah. I think that Moses analogy works so well there too because, you know, before he's in exile, that's who he is. He's the, he's the prince. He's yeah. the guy with the platform. He's the guy with the influence. Absolutely. He's like, hey, I'm going to go down to my people and yeah. make it happen backfires and yeah. it's only in his brokenness in the wilderness that God's that God plans and smashes it 100% but God goes with him and I think there's a difference between with and for I just have yeah. lived trying to do things for God now I'm just loving a life walking with God um, every day so yeah. how does that play out that revelation if at all into your friendships and into your marriage because I would imagine that obviously trust had to be rebuilt and you had Massive. to almost get reintroduced to the world, reintroduced to yourself, reintroduced Massively. to your family. I'm so grateful for Pastor Jonathan Fontana Rosa, who's the senior leader of Edge Church. Uh, separate from uh, being a great leader in a church, he's a great friend. And in those early days, he was uh, super fundamental in being that friend that I could talk to about anything at any time. And I took that liberty and two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, I'd rock up on his doorstep and he was an incredible friend. Uh, Dr. Ray Andrews um, from Coffs Harbour was super fundamental in piecing my theology pieces back together and my view of who God is and his love for me. That was incredible. Um, my re-engagement with Amanda is nothing short of a miracle. That was crazy. That's if you really want to talk to someone and and get a lot of value about it, you should get her in this couch. <laughs> she's she's Jesus in person. It's uh, her, she's an incredible woman. Um, but that that in a funny way, that trust uh, in our marriage was a supernatural. I mean, we obviously have a very open. When you've lived very closed, we are very open now. Um, but in the initial coming back together, it was a divine work of God. She, we hadn't spoken. I thought the marriage was over and we got back together. Well, we saw each other. She, she needed to see our dogs. I had the dogs. No kids at the time, but I had the dogs. They were like our kids. And she was living in Sydney. I was here in Adelaide at my parents. And she came and to see the dogs. And she said to her parents, you can leave now. My heart's just like, I don't even know if I can hug her. That's my wife, but we haven't. We've been apart for months and months and months. We haven't spoken because I don't want to speak to him. So I'm assuming everything's done. She grabs my hand and um, she says, "Are you hungry?" <laughs> we drove down to Brighton. On oh, my heart, I can still remember. I had Kings of Leon on on the stereo and the Ute. I was working construction at the time, and I'm driving down to Brighton and I'm and we're just not talking. But I'm just sitting there going, "What the heck is happening?" 
We get out the car and she holds my hand. And I'm like about to wet my pants. Like I'm going, what is happening? <laughs> I don't even know what's happening right now. We sit down at this cafe in Brighton and she says, I just want to say I'm sorry. And I'm like, I start crying. I'm going, you don't have to say sorry for anything. She goes, no, listen to me. She goes, at a time where you needed me the most, I wasn't there. And I'm sorry, but I needed for our future to do the right thing by myself in that time. And my parents have been trying to talk to me, you know, all these doctor's reports, psych reports, you know, trying to trying to tell, they were trying to tell her that I'm not evil and and she's like, I don't, I'm not interested. And we all interpreted that as she's going to move on. But she goes, I just didn't want my coming back to you to be anything other than obedience to God. I didn't want to be convinced of anything. I just needed to get the mind of God. And to do that, I just needed to get healed. I just needed my heart to heal. And so I needed. So she spent time in counselling. I didn't know any of this because we weren't talking. I've been in counselling. I've been seeing uh, some people, unearthing some things in my life. And I just want to say that I'm sorry for not being there. But I, I, I do want to say this to you. Um, like I'm in, I'm in this for the long run. I'm, I'm sitting at this thing going, what, what is happening right now? And she says, I have three conditions, and, and my little. Um, Penance self got a bit excited when she said, I've got three conditions because I was like, tell me what they are because I'm going to knock these conditions out of the... Like you've never seen before. I'm going to preach in the best conditions you've right? ever seen. You have never, ever... These conditions, I'm, I'm going to get them tattooed on my... And she says that you never say sorry ever again. Um, that you don't live the rest of our lives together trying to make up for the mistakes that you've made. And that you can step up as the spiritual leader of our home. She said, if you think that God, you can allow the spirit of God to empower you to do those three things. She says, I'm in this for life. Amazing. I'm sitting there going, what? She goes on to talk about how she's had a revelation. The song Amazing Grace. She says, I will never sing that song. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like my husband. She said, God's given me a revelation of the wretch that I am. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. And when I, when I stare down the barrel of what God has forgiven me of, how can I look at you and choose not to forget? And I'm sitting there going, what? And that's, how, that's her posture. It's her posture 12 years later. We've got three beautiful daughters. She's raising them as little spiritual warriors like that where... She said, I didn't make a promise to you at an altar. I made a promise to God. And she goes, I'm with you for life unless you, you don't want it, but I'm with you for life. And so I do have Superwoman as a wife. That makes, makes things a lot easier. She's amazing. Um, my family were amazing. Um, and, and friends, it takes time. I've still got probably some of the, I would consider my closest friends, my best friends uh, that I still haven't spoken with. Not that I haven't attempted to speak um, and that's a pain that I carry and I, not not um, please don't hear that as a pain that you know oh woe is me it's it's the pain that I caused them that much pain that the closest of friends um, couldn't sit across the table from me that's hard um, and I think I think openness and vulnerability is what is needed to build trust so I, I go out of my way. Like, I don't know you guys. I know, I know you. I've just met you. Yeah. 
and I'm talking to you guys about th- like this is just it's just out on the table. It's how I live my life um, because I think it's the only way you can build trust is by absolute yeah. honesty and openness. Um, so there's no question off limits. Um, some of the answers, you know, might be painful for other people, and you know, but I have just chosen. Trust is absolutely something that's earned, and um, and so I guess my steps for that are to be as open and as vulnerable with people as I possibly can, um, in with wisdom, obviously. But yeah, I hope that answers the question a little bit. So. I mean. <laughs> It, it's 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 actually pretty hard to talk after hearing this. Like, it's, it's just incredible. And like, what? A, all right. So, in, in all of this, I, I was there in the crowd for a couple of those big moments. Yeah. And you know, you you've talked about a bit of this already, Mike, about um, the how the platform amplifies and in the body of Christ um, and that, that weird celebrity culture that yeah. seeped into Christianity. Yeah. Like people like me feel like they know you because yeah. we can see you. So I, I was at Hillsong Conference 07 when you're yep. pulling oxygen tanks yep. on stage and belting out healer. Yep. Again, still slaps. but <laughs> um, And and I was there at, I, th- I think it was like Paradise when you were talking about your healing yep. and presumably that was before any real healing had yep. happened, I'm guessing. And... We, it weirdly hurts, and mm. so I, I would. From what I'm hearing, it's actually that is, is it was it people with more distance that are further away now, but the people closest to you leaned in, or is it a, a bit split in that way? Oh, probably split. Yeah, I would okay. say. Um, I think the majority of people that get that choose or are brave enough to get close. Um, I hope and pray experience a vulnerability that um, allows them to see who I really am and that's just another broken person like anyone else is. Yeah. I think, um, and I would always say the story is a lot darker than people heard. Um, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, it is a mixed, a mixed bag. I, I mean, I think the second, the second half of what I kind of want to say there is I'm fascinated by whether you think if this had all happened 12 years later, just where culture is in 2020, yeah. it feels like in Australia, the church is a bit softer to me in my yeah. mind, but the world's a lot harder. Yeah. Like cancel culture is common parlance now, you yeah. know, like we see what Carl's going through on yeah. the uh, same, same thing, front page news sort of thing. But it feels like our instinct now is to say, you're done, yeah. cancel, boom. Yeah. Do you feel like it would be different? Probably. Yeah. I was probably on a, a generational, like a, a yeah, cusp. yeah, so two thousand tipping point. Really. I, that was actually something I was thinking about the other day with with Carl, going. There's there's a whole level cancel culture that wasn't as viewable or wasn't as pr- visible. Mm. I think people still feel and think the same things. Yeah but probably feel and think them and then go and make dinner or pick the kids up from school. Whereas now it's put it on the sleeves up, start typing and it's there forever. Um, so I think people's angst was people's angst, angst is people's angst. And, and the decisions that I made to deal with my pain, um, I, I, you know, and I take this opportunity to, to apologize to people that might be listening 
and that were impacted, you know, to you guys. It's horrendous. Um, I wish I had the presence of mind to um, go on a holiday, take some long service leave, go see a counsellor. There's no excuse for what I did. Um, But I think people probably reacted the same. I just think it's the mechanisms that we have to voice those... You know, I look at some of the stuff about Carl, and it's both sides. I mean, I, I watched oh, yeah. an outpouring of people going, you're still my pastor, I don't care what you've done, I don't care who you've slept with, you know, when's your next message, where you speak? And you kind of go, wow, that's, wow, that's full on. But then you've, mm. it, it definitely yeah. balances itself yeah, yeah, yeah. out. I think I was, when everything hit the wall with me, um, you know, pretty, my space wasn't around anymore, but... Not, <laughs> Who was your number one right. friend? <laughs> you know, what was his name? Tom. 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 Um, I, think, I think the timing of it... And having said that, I made a very conscious decision just to distance myself from it. Yeah. From my own mental... That was a, a decision for my own mental health to go... As someone who lived my entire life based on the opinions of people... Whilst God has encountered me with his love, I'm not stupid enough to know I'm wired a certain way. And if I'm going to live my life based on the opinions of people, and they are what they are right now, I'm going to be hanging from a tree in five minutes. So I made a decision. I'm going to choose to believe what God says about me. Part of my mental health process and my spiritual well-being was to say, I'm just going to choose to believe what, what the Lord is saying to me right now through his spirit, through his word, through the encouragement of some of the leaders that I surrounded myself with. And, and shut down that voice. I think that was easier to do in 2008 mm. than it would have been to do in 2020. Yeah. That's why my heart breaks for Carl yeah. is because it's like, you know, yeah, the accessibility that people feel that they have to people of um, celebrity or position or it does come with the territory, but yeah. How mighty are the fallen? It's yeah. so full on. Can, can I just ask, um, just on like a, a, a micro level, as yeah. someone who's been in a church community where our leaders have, you know, uh, for want of a better word, like, you know, hurt us, betrayed yeah. us, you know, in a, in a way, and, and then moving through that, you know, and having to work out um, how to actually move forward with that relationship mm. or in that community, like, I, have you found that your your vulnerability and your openness, and, and obviously God's worked in you in an amazing way here, like that that is what's been able to drive that that forward? Because you know, in my in my circumstances, we've had leaders basically, you know, that ostracization—that's mm. not a word—is now. <laughs> um, and and I just I just wonder, like God working through you in that way has always been so transformative in your life yeah. and transformative in other people's lives. Yeah, 100%. And, and, I, and I really want to, like, just, I don't know, have some insight as to how, how other people in your circles yeah. have reacting to that, how, how they're able to actually grow in, in their capacity 100%. for grace and forgiveness. And- I think one of the things that when we foster a life of openness and vulnerability and then when we step back into influence, whether it be leadership position or just community uh, relationship... I think it flows on from that personal um, – it's a decision. It's not a feeling. I decide to be vulnerable and open. It's not easy, but you make that decision, and it, it does flow on. So I, I would find myself over the last seven years being in, in a capacity of leadership. It, it wasn't – it sort of shifted and grew at, over the last 12 years, but obviously I didn't want anything to do with anyone at the start – 
but went through a sort of like a personal cocoon time for about four years, rock up at church late-ish, leave early-ish because I've got that thing that I have to get to, beanie on, you, you know. Um, that was cool. That was great. That was restoring. That was a, that was a season. It was necessary. But then as you step back in and, and, and I guess in obedience to, you know, realising that it's difficult to love Jesus and, and forsake the body. Like you can't just go, well, I'm in love with you, Jesus. Um, but, and that was psycho. That was a dream. That was a dream for me where I had a dream of, um, and it was recurring. It's what actually caused me to go and see our pastors and say, um, we, we've got to talk because it was this dream of a bride. I was talking with Jesus and then this ugly bride would walk into the table and sit next to Jesus and I'd ask Jesus a question and Jesus would ask her, what do you think? And I'd say, I don't care what she thinks. And then I'd wake up in cold sweats and it was recurring Why? every night. It was psycho. I said to Amanda, I said, I need to sleep. I felt like there was a distance in my relationship with Jesus. I felt like I wasn't hearing his voice and I'm having this dream every night. I'm going, what is happening? Mm. And I felt like I had got to that place. God, I believe the spirit of God in his love for me said mike it's time to talk about the bride you, you've you've got you've come far enough now you need to talk because this is at the body and so as i as i started that journey and re-engaged i would have conversations with people that people would be red blushing going did he just say what he just said because i made a conscious decision i'm not coming back into christian ministry to do Christian ministry the way that I've done Christian ministry. Let's be real. Let's be open. Let's be vulnerable. Let's talk about, like with a room full of Christian leaders, males. I'm going to use the word masturbation. I'm going to use the word pornography. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to use those words. I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to catch up one-on-one -on -one and ask those questions in vulnerable, with care, not like, not with a, not with a, um, you know, a wooden spoon ready to. Like, I'm, I'm saying, let's talk. How are you going with? And I think for a season, people were like, "Did you? What are you? Are you? What are you talking about? How, <laughs> why are you, you asking me?" Slices out of those awkward silences. It was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> Fried it up with some butter. <laughs> no, nah, seriously, eat, eat that. That's midnight snack. I, it, people, um, but then having been involved for a period of time and, and cultivating that kind of a. Uh, an atmosphere to be dropping a young person from a youth ministry off after hanging out with some guys for discipleship and prayer and to have a teenager look at me and say, can I get you to pray for me? Cause I'm going to talk to my parents about my struggle with pornography tonight. Pastor Mike, can you just pray for me? Um, anyway, cheers for the burger and the and Bible time. I'll catch you next week. And I drove about 20 meters and burst into tears and just went, there it is right there. A teenager saying, hey, by the way, yeah. I'm just going to go talk to my mum and dad yeah. about my struggle with pornography. Yeah. Cheers um, for the McChicken. Yeah, because like you've normalised. It's normalised. You've yeah. normalised What it. is very And normal. this is the thing, I think we get so good in the West. Normalised but not justified. Normalised no, but no, not justified. Normalised talking about yeah. it but not justifying no, the behaviour. Of course not. Yeah. Yes. No, of course yeah. not. Absolutely. But it's that thing of you give people language, you give them a framework and all of a sudden a it's just like, yeah, and you give them permission. Like, I remember I lived in Manchester for a bit in this kind of community. Of this Was kind it of by the sea? Faith community. With Casey Affleck? Was it what? Was it Manchester, Manchester by the, by the sea? sea? With Casey Affleck? <laughs> Sounded no, hard. No, it was more like this, love. 
yeah, mate. I love. Anyway, and um, they had, there was actually really amazing, you know, and they'd often, lots of them had chosen to buy houses together and live together in houses so they could have less burden on their resource, work mm. less, have more margin to serve the poor, yada, yada. Mm. And, um, but the thing that shocked me coming from Australia was this, um, and I think it was, you know, it was quite unique even in Britain, but like, the openness mm. that they had fostered amongst each other. So I'd go to connect and I'd literally sit down. Um, and the first question that these people who I didn't really know from a bar of soap was just like, what's the one thing you don't want to tell us right now? Mm. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's mm-hmm. just like, Oh, you know, or little, just things like nothing was off the table. Mm. Like, and it was just this thing that they said, we have fought for this and fought for this and fought for this because we cannot stand in front of the world that God loves yeah. unless we are willing to be upfront about this. Yeah. And so from that sort of experience, I don't feel I think it, it 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 broke fear off of yeah, me in terms sure. of just like, well, what do you got going on? Because whatever I've got, mm-hmm. chances are you got something to yep. match. Yep. <laughs> what yeah, are you going to do about 100%. it? And I just think you know that's and that's the story of grace. I mean, I just think like, well, Moses, Moses killed oh, a guy, hey. went up, carved <laughs> out the stone tablets, got in a fit, threw yep. a tanty, broke them, yep. and God still gave him do another it, go. He's like, again. you know, reform yeah. the tablets which yeah. you broke. I seriously think that story never gets enough play. Like I just Moses think is it's so the mad, literal. He breaks yeah. the divinely yeah. created <laughs> word of God. Yeah. He's like, I'm throwing them. Like, he's like, oh, I've no one else knows this. how valuable they are. Yeah. Only yeah. you. And also, yeah. he's like, that probably took you a really long, long time, time to long do. Long time. Long time. He's like, you know, and I just think like, what the heck are we doing? Because I still think in Western developed nations we value this waspiness where we control we are appropriate we don't raise our voices too loud well maybe you do because you're a crazy pentecostal Mm -hmm. and we're just these repressed uniting church but anyway but suffice to to say like it's just we're so good at controlling it and we're so bad at saying you are allowed to have a human experience And let, what does it look like if we invite God into that space and not be afraid of your reality? And the yeah. two combinations, right? It's the mm. two poles of A, you're allowed to have human experiences to mess up. And B, we want to see you healed and restored from that, not just justified in a, hey, that's okay. That's, you uh, do you. Yeah. Justification and sanctification, two different things. I think sometimes we expect the work of justification to be mirrored in our sanctification and we expect it in other people. Uh-huh. And what justification is, mate, just as if I never sinned. Like, it's that's a work of the Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Sanctification, we're, we're, on, that, we're on that conveyor belt until the day we leave this planet. But we sometimes see it differently. And in, and in leadership, I find, is that we expect from people sometimes the instantaneous nature of justification in their journey of sanctification. Yes. And until so we understand good. that this this thing called life is a journey that, like, we're never on this planet going to be fully formed into the likeness of Christ. Uh, like, we are, we are, mate, you, you can highlight Moses, just keep going, like, keep <laughs> Keep going, yeah. man. Just keep it's going. Just Anyone, 11. everyone just, in Hebrews right? is yeah, exactly. It's a hot mess. It's, it's a hot mess. <laughs> so exactly maybe Enoch. right. I don't know enough about that guy. Yeah. He was so yeah. bad that God just. <laughs> okay, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had enough. Yeah. I've had Play enough me of this up, guy. Johnny, diddle, 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 diddle. And, and oh, that's where I you're think we get. With him later. We get so uh, caught up in our perfection, or trying to yeah. be perfect, and it's it's pretty plain and simple. Like. Um, yeah, we, but I, I feel like we do get some of that stuff wrong and we expect from people things that God never expects. I'm not, I'm not talking about our, 
you know, grace is not the end of our effort. It's just the end of our earning. Like, uh, it doesn't mean we don't try. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't mean yeah, we don't. Yeah. Of course, we try. Of course, we want to please God. Holiness is the, the you know, in, in our attempt, we want to please God. But it's it's in our failure. That Moses is a beautiful picture of the heart of God where Moses destroys and then God just says, come on, come on. The call hasn't changed. The mission hasn't. Come on, let's go again. And yeah. Can, can we just jump into that, like the practical sanctification? Yeah. Because... Yeah. You know, Katie mentioned it before, and I'm I'm in the same stage where, and and having gone through the same thing with porn addiction, yeah, on a much smaller scale, much smaller platform, yeah, um, and seeing that break, and I'm I'm in the same space with Katie in that I I assume I now assume that when I'm talking to young guys in particular, it's an, it's they are struggling yeah. with porn. So how did you break? How did you break um, these addictions? Yeah, it was an instant. Let me tell you, um, it was a journey. I had a Christian psychologist, and he would speak to me actually the secular psychiatrist said you know when it comes to things like sexual drive um pornography there's some things in life we're taught the harder you try to do something the better you get at it so for instance if you want to be a a runner you train harder to run and the more you train the more likely it is that you're going to be a better runner so there's a few things that are anomalies in in uh, physiology and like so impotence in men is one of them the harder you try like if you're struggling hey you going you're right oh, i love it yep. um, she does this to everyone else all the time so this is great good the 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 more you try to get an erection the, the more trouble you're going to have doing it. it's just yeah. a physiological thing yeah. where right. we're taught to train harder yeah. to to do things but then there's some things that are just the opposite and and a lot of that thing, a lot of that stuff is not purely medicate. It's actually uh, you you got to work on the way you're thinking about things. And he he talked to me about pornography as a similar thing. He said you're you're so you're so deep in this hole because you're so desperate not to be. Wow. Yeah. He said the harder you try to dig yourself, he goes, you just need to just relax. This wasn't a Christian guy. I just said you just need to relax and I was like I can't relax I What's, that's to, the most annoying thing like when you're upset about something right? and I have to calm stop down. this behaviour yeah. I have to <laughs> stop calm down yeah. Yeah. you're not my real dad shut up So, but, but the funny thing was when I was speaking with the Christian psychologist uh, his view he's a beautiful man saved my life in many ways his view for me was focusing on abiding in Christ rather than focusing on these negative behaviours yeah. um so focus on God's goodness and focus on his love. And then there was some practical um, rewiring of thought processes. So I used to have, um, I had a, a cross, a cross every day I'd wake up, nearly got it tattooed. My mum asked me not to, so I didn't. I'm covered in tattoos, but I, you know, she said stop at the, at here. She's a wonderfully wise woman. That's yeah, good it's about to end though, because I'm going to get a big anchor with the Port Adelaide postcode on here in a minute. But anyway, um, I'd, Every morning I draw a cross on here and a garbage bin on this one. This might sound really crazy. But he, he said to me, don't not try and have these thoughts. Don't Because, you know, for me it got to the point I didn't have to look at pornography. Like I've got, I've got like a library. I mean, you're talking from the age, like mm-hmm. it's, it's full on. I yeah. still have to. And what he would say to me is when you think those thoughts, all I want you to do is just hold this hand over that hand. And just remind yourself that there's your garbage and the cross. 
And so I, I walked around for a few months like this. Yeah. Just like a legit. Just like, um, but it was retraining that it wasn't behaviour that was going to... A behaviour modification that was going to get me. It was shifting my view to the fact that Jesus is bigger than all of this mess. Mm. Jesus is covering all of this yeah. mess. And that... Um, that was really transformative in my thinking. And I think yeah. it was, I would say, uh, I think as men, the accessibility to things is just all time. When yeah. I, for me, yeah. I remember the days of preaching at a Youth Alive rally and then pulling the hat down low and going to an adult bookstore. Yeah, right. Like, so, well, this was like, it wasn't internet. Yeah. For my my introduction to this stuff, it was just it's magazines and things vintage. like that. Vintage. Yeah, pure vintage. Nowadays, you know, my children can see things they don't want to see oh, purely yeah. by, you know, watching the Wiggles. Like, it, it, like it adds all, like it's just crazy. Um, and we as parents and as leaders need to be aware of those things and be diligent and vigilant in, in, in safeguarding. Um, but for me, I, I think that there was an element of, um, I'll use a, a big word, um, which will probably cause some people to scatter, but a sense of deliverance, not not in a um, writhing around, I'm saying a, a deep work of God in taking burden from me. Yeah. And that was one of the things that yeah. my Christian psychologist said, said, said to me, would, he would say to me often, have you given it to him? Have you pictured yourself at the foot of the cross and saying, Lord, I don't want this anymore. I'm giving it to you. I say, yeah, I do. And I do it every day. And he goes, has he taken it? I'd say, well, it doesn't feel like he has. He goes, well, Tomorrow, do the same thing. And there was some of these repetitive that did more than just shift my behavior, but it shifted my thinking, which I think ultimately yeah. has an impact on your yeah, behavior, if that makes sense. Stuff. And yeah. what I love about that is that, that, is that you, you know, it's obviously you've done all the practical things, you've done the work, done the therapy, you yeah. know, put the boundaries in place, whatever yeah. you've decided yeah, yeah. to do, fantastic. Triple H, shirks, yada, yada. Um, <laughs> um, but... The other side of that is that, like, you've allowed God to do his sovereign work. Yeah. And I think, you know, we want to control our way into it. We yeah. want to educate our way out of things. And we want to do, and that's all great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually really important. But the reality is that our God is able to do immeasurably and, and more anything we can ask, think, or imagine according exactly. to his power at work within us. So it's like boomsticks. Yeah. Let's let's allow. If you're scattering up the word deliverance, well, I think you need to get out of showbiz because yeah. what else are we doing? Yeah. yeah. Starting an Instagram account about mindfulness is not going to, it's not going to cut it. One hundred percent, and I, th I think for me, my, my behaviour is diligence. My boundaries are diligence, but not my dependence. Yeah. My, my dependence is Him, and I, I don't need to stay away from things. I need to stay close to Him, and it's, and I think, for me, um, I would be lying if I said to you. I am a walking, if I didn't say, I'm a walking miracle. There are certain parts of my life that I know I'm free from. I'm free from the opinion of people. You understand, like, I really don't care what you guys think. I love you. And I would like to be someone that you uh, liked and admired. But if you don't, like it, it, it doesn't affect me. Whereas my life was crippled by that, yeah. like crippled by it. And I think some of that is even, uh, I think it's environmental, but also our temperament as well. It's who we're made to be. Yeah, I've seen God do a shift in my heart where I see an opportunity today to come and share about the goodness of God and, and the miracle of God's love in our lives and, and his ability to heal us. 
I'm going to take the opportunity. Whether the people, whether you guys in the room or the people watching and listening, go, ah, whatever. Um, there would have been a time in my life where I would be stressing about, I haven't prepared for today. Like I haven't come in prepared. I've obviously spent time in prayer saying, God, use, you know, pray that you use this time that we have together. But there would have been a time I'd be so anxious and then leaving, I'd be walk, driving away, waiting for one of you to text me to say, that was great. Like I just don't. And that to me is the evidence of the miracle working power of God where he's, you get so wrapped up in his love and his thoughts. And I, I've needed that in my life because in every room I speak to, in every room I'm having conversation, or just even community with, I, I, I know in every sphere there's going to be a, people in that room that go once a charlatan, always a charlatan. There'll be people that don't know the full journey there'll be people that do know the full journey and they will have their opinions and so if i live the rest of my life based on those opinions i'm in trouble but i don't know how to rewire my brain to not care about that stuff i i don't but what i have done is i have uh i dive head first into what the word reveals to me that jesus says about me and i allow that truth to transform my life. And I'm telling you, it, it works. It ha- the, the word of God is powerful and our God does miracles. And I'm here, I'm sitting here, I'm a mir- I am a miracle. I am such a mess. I am so broken by things that happen to me and things that I have done to other people, no doubt. But yet the love of God stoops down you know, Jesus put flesh on, love put flesh on, came down, paid the ultimate price for my life and uh, and and calls me his and chooses me and adopts me. Ah, oh, we could, now we'll start preaching, but I just, yeah, I'm just so grateful for the miracle working power of the love of God in our lives. So, yeah. Well, Mike, it's been an honour to hear your story yeah. and we just thank you for sharing and permissioning such vulnerability and, um we cannot wait to see what God does through Lighthouse City Mission so and even your beautiful girls, all four of them. Yeah. And we would love to pray for you. That'd be so right. great. Yeah, I love that cool? so much. Yeah. Amazing. Wardrop, we're going to kick us off with some probing and cry. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. God, we just thank you that you're a God of forgiveness and Amen. redemption. And God, there's, there's nothing we love more than a redemption story. And I thank you for the grace you have poured out of Mike. I thank you that this is, a, it's not just a story, it's a lived out example of repentance and forgiveness and love and grace and redemption. And God, we just pray your blessing upon Mike. We pray your blessing upon Amanda. We pray Amen. your blessing upon their family. Yes, Lord. We just, just pour that thank out, you, Lord. And we thank you for the example of vulnerability and grace mixed together, yes. of, of kindness and love and an openness and honesty about the past that is leading them into a healthy and whole future. Yeah. We thank you for the ministry and mission of Lighthouse City Mission that is mm. is only just beginning. And in Jesus' name, we pray yeah. a blessing upon that. Thank you, Jesus. We pray it impacts Port Adelaide and beyond in the name of Jesus, you, Jesus. for the sake of the gospel to see the broken made whole. Amen. And Lord, we just declare goodness mm. and hope and wholeness across not only the Guglamucci family, but the state and, and, and the country Come on. in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. 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 So good. Well, 
that was amazing. A, a spellbinding time listening to Mike Gook just unpack and be so raw and honest. And I, I know for anybody who has a platform, as, as I'm privileged to do, as you're privileged to do, Katie, I, I hope you're listening to this and going back over and listening again and processing how that can look in your own life, really looking at your own integrity and the way that you're just looking to use that platform for good and not for boosting yourself up. And obviously that's really hard to process sometimes, but it's mm. it's something raw and honest that we have to go through with ourselves. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the traps we fall into in ministry is feeling like we need to be this thing. Yeah. Otherwise, we either let down the gospel or we let down our people or, you know, if we're being really honest, we want them to perceive us in a certain way because that yeah. gives us the feels, you know. It feels good. Yeah. But, um, you know, but that that having a really, really brutal look at the culture that you are championing and permissioning amongst your teams and yeah. your family. You know, I, I used to go to this small group um, in England and the first question they would always ask is, what's the one thing that you most don't want to tell us right now? Yeah. And that was where we started. And um, I just feel like the best thing we can do is honour and champion people's vulnerability, not run it through a lens of weakness, not cancel culture people out of things. But yeah. it's like, same team, bro. How can we love you back to life which is what happened with mike yeah yeah it's 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 a genuine forgiveness story a genuine repentance redemption story with all the elements like the real fall the real walk back and and the real grace involved in all of that and literally you couldn't make it up it's like are you kidding me right now it's like and then this happened and then this happened yeah Oh, God bless you, Mike Gugamucci. God bless your family. God bless your wife and your children. And if you are in ministry serving the church of Jesus Christ, God bless you. We are praying for you that you will become just like Jesus, that your churches will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we will be able to say not to us, God, but to your name be all the glory. That's right. And coming out of that 2020 that we've all just had, just remember you're not as bad as your lowest moment. You're not as bad as as the worst times you've had. Mm. Uh, There's so much in you. God is calling life out of you in 2021. So Mm. be encouraged. There is way more ahead of you. Um, There's way more ahead of us, Hawksy. We've had a a great time recording this first season. What's coming up? We're looking at season two. Season two is going to be huge. We've got a few very exciting guests on the books, but I don't want to whet your appetite because I feel like COVID is COVID. Yeah, that's right. I don't want to tempt the COVID devils. Yes. Who will storm the capital of our yes. programming. The single monotheistic Trinitarian God <laughs> and the many, many COVID devils. Yes. Yeah. Hey, big shout out to intrepid producer James Norrie, who's now... IPJ. What is happening? Come on. Got married this season and had a hernia operation. Two equally sexy situations. An actual hero to us. We, we love having you with us. Love having you with so us good. on this journey. Hey, glow ups complete. Give us a follow on Insta, read the room Oz. O-Z. Yes, because and somebody else had read the room, but O-Z, chuck it in. Offensive, but it is the hand we were dealt. Yes. Anyway, happy We'd Christmas, happy you. New Year. We would love to hear from because, you. Because like you said, we have some great people lined up for season two, but we don't have a chocker schedule. We are open. We want to know who do you want to hear from? Who do you want to learn from? Who would you love to hear us interview? What spicy topic would you like to dig into from That's a ministry perspective in Australia? We so we hope that 2021 is everything you're longing for it to be, that the power of God is at work in you, in your church. And uh, we pray that this has been beneficial to you. God bless. We'll catch you next season.